Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. Alright, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. Alright, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Welcome to Feeling It. Guys. In addition to talking about what we're feeling this week, we are going to be chatting about all of the new network shows coming out this fall. So we've gone through and watched all the trailers, and me and Sandra are going to break down exactly which shows you should and should not be watching. But before we do that, let's introduce ourselves and tell the world which of last year's fall TV shows did you actually end up watching and sticking with? I'm Sandra Omstutz, and I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee. And there were two shows that I ended up really falling in love with and watching all the way through from last year. Um, The Good Place on NBC is one that I stuck with. And my favorite of all the new fall shows from last year was um, on ABC Speechless with Minnie Driver. I meant to watch both of those and (laughs) did not. Those were like the two that I was most interested in. Um, I'm Lawson Soward. I'm an art director in Nashville, Tennessee. And honestly, I didn't watch, I didn't keep up with any of them. I don't really watch network TV, even though I heard amazing things about both of those shows and was interested in them. I've been, uh, stuck in my Netflix queue. And so I didn't make it to any this past fall. You are exactly where Netflix wants you to be, Lawson. Yeah, they (laughs) got me. Uh, I am Lucas Wright, a designer in the Bay Area. And the only show that I ended up sticking with is also Speechless. So, oh, good. I'm glad to hear that, Lucas. ABC for the win. That show rocks. Yeah, I have not like not only is it just a great family sitcom, mm-hmm. um, I have a major crush on the dad in that show, and that is really keeping me hooked in. <laughs> He's a weirdo, but yeah, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, every week we like to talk about something we're feeling, whether that be something in uh, movies, TV, news, sports, whatever. It's usually um, sports. It's always sports. <laughs> I'm feeling it. <laughs> oh, man. So, Sandra, what are you feeling this week? This week, I am feeling Carly Rae Jepsen's new single, Cut to the Feeling. Before I start talking about this song in particular, I feel like I should make it known that I am a major, major Carly Rae Jepsen stan. Um, I... They're called I, Jepsen Heads, right? Oh, I don't I don't know what the name is for sure, but I just made that up. Okay, so. good. <laughs> um, I thought they were Jepsons and Jep daughters. Oh, gross. I like um, that. I like that. <laughs> I love everything that Carly Rae Jepsen puts out. Um, I've loved I still think that Call Me Maybe is like one of the great songs of the summer we've ever had. Um, I think her albums are incredible. Her like latest album um was just an album full of perfect songs. You know, there, there's not a weak song in that whole bunch. And I just, I go real hard for Carly Rae Jepsen. So I was, there's no doubt that I was going to be obsessed with this single. Um, however, the thing about Carly Rae Jepsen, at least from my point of view, is that like gay guys typically really go hard for her. People on Tumblr really go hard for her. Critics generally appreciate her, but she never has hit this like, big mainstream pop star success that I really wish she would. Um, I feel like I don't hear her, hear people talking about her music very often and just like the general public. Um, I don't hear people like, I don't hear about like huge shows selling out for her. Um, and this single that she just released cut to the feeling I'm really hoping might change that. This is the first time she's put out a song and the day that it comes out, I hear a lot of people buzzing about it. Um, So let's listen to Cut to the Feeling, which I think is going to be this year's song of the summer. I had a dream, was it real? We crossed the line and it was on. We crossed the line, it was on this line. I've been denying how I feel, you've been denying what you want. Take me to the stars today.
time I hear that song. Um, she does like this little bit of, I guess you would call it harmonizing right before the chorus hits. And every time she does that, I feel like I'm flying. I just think the song <laughs> is pure joy and I'm ready to listen to it all summer. Yeah, I I loved her last album. When Call Me Maybe came out, I thought it, she was like a one hit wonder type situation. Um, but her last album was really, really great. And you could really tell the kind of the quality of her um, songwriting and kind of musicality there. And so I'm, I'm pumped for this. I, I totally agree with you. She's not a big star yet, um, but I think she can get there. I feel like such a stick in the mud, but I don't like Carly Rae Jepsen. Yeah. Awesome. Lawson um, hates something and not me. It's a very rare thing to happen. Here's what I hate. I hate the joy in it. I hate the earnesty. I hate, mm. no. Yeah, those are um, mostly the things that I usually hate. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, I mean, a lot of it's ignorance. I will cop to that for sure. I have most, I haven't listened to her album. I listened to Call Me Maybe and it, uh, it wore out. For me, yep. pretty yep. quick. It had a shorter shelf life than most pop songs that I hear. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't begrudge a single person of loving this. And I, uh, one of the things I love about pop music is how alive it makes me feel whenever it's a song that I can really get into and how it like doesn't matter whether or not it feels prestige or whatever. Like you're talking about this big mainstream success. And that's so inconsequential when it comes to pop music. It's like, does it get you going? Does it feel like summer? And that song you just played, like, feels like summer. It reminds me of it kind of like an 80s banger. I don't know. Like, it has a real 80s vibe to it. Sure. Um, and I could really, I could see that exploding everywhere this summer. And I can't say whether or not it will get old to me again, but I'm glad that you like it. And I hope that it never gets old for you. Lawson, you have to listen to her, her, her 2015 yeah. album. You, I, th- go, I think you go would. Go and listen to Emotion. In it, Lawson. Yeah. I can send yeah. you some of like the specific songs that I think you might enjoy. Run Away yeah. With Me, her big single from that last album, the saxophones alone in Run Away With mm-hmm. Me are just a blast. Yeah. Um, All right, I'm not closed off. Yeah, it's pretty great. One of the things I love about Carly Rae Jepsen's music, and this has been a mainstay from Call Me Maybe all the way up until like her more like refined um, stuff like this song, Cut to the Feeling, is she sings about pining in a way that feels very real and it doesn't make you feel lame or pathetic. Like, I feel like a current trend in and I'm, I'm going to talk about like some kind of gender stereotypes here is that a lot of female pop songs um, or pop songs sung by female singers are often like about being empowering or about being in love or about, you know, not needing someone's love. And a lot of male pop songs are about so like that pining feeling. And um, that's like kind of a natural state that we like, not just in our music, but in our movies and our TV shows, we like for like the male figure to be the one that's like pining after a woman and like trying to win her over. And we like our female figures to be like, they don't need a man until they are won over by a man. We don't like to see a female character or a female pop singer, like desperate for someone. And Carly Rae Jepsen does a really good job at like, really being desperate for someone in a great way and like describing what it feels like to pine over someone and to like really, really want someone badly. Um, and I don't think we get a lot of that from female musicians. And so I'm really excited to like have her taking up that space. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally into reversals like that. That's, I mean, I've never heard that expressed that. Yeah. I'm, Send me those songs. We will, yeah. Or check it out. Done. I'm going to task you, Lucas, with sending him the songs because I... Will my, my I'm a little too in love to like maybe pick out the most objective... Um, <laughs> I'm pretty down to earth on my, on my Carly Rae Jepsen love, so... <laughs> sure. Okay. I'll, I'll hit you up, bro. Perfect. Great. Thanks, man. Give me love. <laughs> I'm going to just say, though, my favorites from that album, Run Away With Me and Give Me Love. Um, I also have a hard time distinguishing what songs are on the album and what songs are on the B-sides that she released. So Gimme Love might be on the B-sides. I don't remember. But those are my two recommendations. All right. Well, Lawson, moving into you, what are you feeling this week? Well, first of all, I wanted to say I listened to y'all's conversation about Master of None from last week because 
watched all of Master of None this weekend, and it was really great. It was some of the best television I've seen in my entire life, and y'all's conversation about it was great. And so if you're listening today, but you didn't listen last week, um, listen to the non-spoiler section, watch all of it, listen to the rest of the... I just... It's so good. I wanted to listen to that podcast and every other podcast and read everything <laughs> piece because once the season was over, I didn't want it to be over. Like I wanted to watch it again. I wanted there to be more. It's the best kind of stuff where it's just so incredible. I didn't want it, you know, like you guys mentioned in that you don't want it to be on a schedule. You don't want any of these, these stories feel like they took their time and they said what they needed to say. Like you don't want to stretch this to more than mm-hmm. it needs to be, but gosh, I wanted more. It was just, I know. It was so perfect. It was so good. So now, Lawson, what you did forget to mention is we watched this together in one day, in one sitting. We watched the whole season. I, I, I'd obviously already seen it, but we went. <laughs> I went through it again and just did it in one sitting. We watched the entire thing, That's and it was true. glorious. <laughs> I've done that both times with Master of None. I have started watching it and not been able to stop until it is over. First season, I did it like. I think it was like 6 p.m. the Friday it came out. I got off work, got home, and I'm like, I'll watch this. And then just didn't stop until like whatever <laughs> it was, like 2 a.m. or whatever it meant that we got to sleep that night. Um, and with this one, it was, yeah, an entire day. It was incredible. It was so good. Um, so since you already talked a lot about that, I don't really have like new things to say. I also wanted to say I've been watching The Crown, which Lucas, I know you recommended mm, real hard. So um, good. And Sandra, you rec- did you recommend that as well, or is that one that you've been meaning to get to? No, yeah, I've been thinking about watching it. Okay, not I'm about halfway through, and it is also fantastic. So this is that getting stuck in the Netflix queue I've been talking about. Yeah, man. Um, and surprise, surprise, my pick for this week, since I'm kind of sneaking in three, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> you already talked about those, so I didn't want to rehash them. But my uh, pick for this week is another uh, Netflix uh, exclusive, and it is the stand-up special Homecoming King by Hassan Minaj. Lawson! Uh, Lawson! Yes! That is mine as well. And it is <laughs> glorious again. Well, We're on the same page today, bro. I, I We really are. <laughs> and it's not fair because the reason that I watched it was because you said whenever we were hanging out, um, oh, actually, that special's really good. Yeah. And so <laughs> I had a plane flight home. I used the new Netflix app download onto your iPod or iPad feature so I didn't need Wi-Fi yep. to watch it and watched it and oh my gosh it's so incredible um it's hardly even a stand-up special it's just like some of the most I love that this is happening now it's like a one-man show it's like a, a an extended monologue it's a storytelling piece it's audio visual it's so fresh it's such a person who understands the moment understands so much of the medium available to him to use and then uses it to tell a story so specific to him and keeps it funny and entertaining throughout. It really felt more like storytelling than it felt like a stand-up special to me because I feel like a lot of the best storytelling has comedy sprinkled in and mm-hmm. perspective sprinkled in throughout the way that he does to keep you engaged and keep you open to the emotions that are coming in. Yeah, I was just, I was blown away by this. I didn't, um, you know, I caught like, a little bit of his correspondence dinner thing on the internet, uh, but I didn't watch all of it. Uh, I haven't kept up with him or the daily show as much as I used to. If I, you know, I want to be honest about that, but this standup special, I am just all in for this guy. He blew me away. He, his voice is so distinct. And so, uh, he's not modeled after anybody. And that's weird right now because I think I was watching it, expecting him to fall into, a Louis C.K. trope or a, mm-hmm. a funny, goofy, silly trope or a kind of a bro-down, lowest common denominator trope, whatever it was, and he didn't fit any of those. He was completely himself, and uh, I loved that. I loved being not being able to uh, quantify or categorize his performance in any way despite all my best efforts here and just feeling like I had seen something completely original and seen a story told that moved me in every way like yeah. laughter tears all of it yeah he talks a lot about um just kind of his, his experience growing up he grew up in davis california which is basically uh a red county california and just what it what it what it what it's like growing up in the united states with immigrant parents 
um, what 9-11 was like for him, just kind of his childhood and what it's been like to be an American and an Indian. Um, and just all, all of that was told from, like you said, just such a unique perspective um, and told in a way that is strictly him. He reminded me a lot of Mike Birbiglia, um, just yeah. a guy on stage telling stories um, from his own perspective. And you don't get any pretentiousness or any um, kind of feeling like he's emulating somebody at all. Um, and it's it, it's interesting, like especially like you you watch this right after watching Master of None, which is Aziz Ansari telling his story about being an Indian with immigrant parents and what's that <laughs> what that's like. So did you have any comparisons there at all? Um there were some cultural comparisons as far as uh, he, uh, Hassan does a bit about religion, mm-hmm. which I was just like, man, I'm learning so much about Islam and Hinduism and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is just, it's great. It, I mean, it's a, a sad reflection of my ignorance, but it's so great to be able to learn more about these different cultures and religions. And the way he talked about it was so fascinating. And he, um, the way he talked about religion was kind of, Similar, I think he takes his religion a little bit more seriously, um, or it's a little bit more meaningful to him than mm-hmm. uh, Aziz. But yeah. it's still something that he kind of acknowledges a good um, and uh, you know something bigger than the the cultural and religious distinctions that, uh, especially people in his parents' generation culturally used to to divide or discriminate. Um, so it was. Yeah, I mean, it was it, that was another thing that I loved about this and about listening to all of these Master of None podcasts was talking about how all of these characters from all of these different backgrounds, none of them were stand-ins for their skin color, for their culture, for their race, for their religion. Nothing. They were all their own people, and they were fully fleshed-out people. And mm-hmm. so, like, even though there was, like, some overlap talking, you don't hear... Um, as many conversation, public conversations, entertainment conversations about Islam as you do, like, say, Catholicism or Christianity, um, or Judaism, things in that realm. It was, it was just like a completely different show because he's a completely different guy, which makes all the sense in the world. Um, right. But was just so refreshing to watch that and be like, how I felt so privileged to hear two completely distinct um voices and stories from two Indian American second generation Indian Americans um who yeah have both just done amazingly well in uh in the world of comedy and the world of entertainment and that are telling their stories out there because people who watch this are going to get two different stories of two different people and a lot of people haven't <laughs> I mean a lot of people probably in Davis with the county where he grew up haven't met two Indian people that they've had extended conversations with. And so it's really right. important to hear these stories um, and for them to be more accessible to more people. And so, um, yeah, it was great. So I, I think the thing I liked the most was how, how few comparisons I drew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, that, I kind of felt the same way, just like listening to it and just like watching him. I was like, this is a story I've never heard before. Like I've never, I've never heard a lot of this stuff. And that's really cool because a lot of times when I'm watching TV, um, and we'll talk about this a lot in network TV, is you get a lot of the same. You get a lot of the same kind of characters, the same kind of stories being told. Um, and it's really cool to see that Netflix, especially with with the stand-up that it's kind of producing kind of constantly the last like couple months, um, it's getting you a lot of people that you have not seen and are not really familiar with um, who all have different stories to tell. And I think that's really cool. And I think if if we could get more of that other places as well. I, I at least would be just as excited about what um, kind of network TV is doing and cable TV if we just get more stories about different things. Yeah, these are just things I'm so interested in listening to. You know, yeah. they're conversations that I, I try to stay informed and read think pieces and be open and like know stuff about world religions. And it's just... Uh, all of it is too broad and there's good things to know about larger anthropological trends and stuff but in general it's better to know people and to know their real and specific stories so um yeah i hope that so many and it really seems like it's going this way so many different people of so many different cultures and creeds are uh getting these largely distributed deals and i'm so thankful for it and i think that there's a large swath of people who are uh, will be a lot better for it, get to learn a lot more, and be really, really entertained. Yep, totally. 
Well, that's Hassan Minaj, Homecoming King. Watch it. It's on Netflix. It's amazing. Well, moving on, we actually got an email this week we'd like to address on the show. Um, Ken wrote in with a question. Sandra, can you can you read that off? Sure. Um, so Ken wrote in to us, Hey, It Feelers. I'm listening to Denzel Washington is the greatest actor of all time, period. And they're talking about movies where a twist is ruined by the trailers. I was wondering if you had any thoughts about this. Um, and in his email, he goes on to talk about how... Um, T2 and GoldenEye are certain trailers that he watched that spoiled major plot points in the movie. Um, So do y'all have any trailers specifically that come to mind that you thought really spoiled the movie before you even got a chance to see it? I want to start off by saying how grand my affection is for the term it feelers. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Makes this feel Um, much more legitimate. (laughs) Yes, I will say in talking about this, we will be spoiling some movies here you can um, skip to the main topic if you don't want to hear spoilers for these i guess <laughs> well <laughs> Sounds I, mean, good, but I can I... start off by saying that like there's a movie that i'm pretty sure does this um but i have never seen the actual movie so but from watching the trailer um i think we've talked about this trailer before when we talked about like what makes a good movie trailer the worst trailer i've ever seen of all time i've never seen the movie for it is um the double with Richard Gere and Topher Grace. It came yes. out in 2011. Oh, um, yeah. And I'm not even going to talk about what that spoils. I'm just going to say, go watch this trailer, because it is a hilariously bad trailer. <laughs> and it really just lays out every plot point that happens in the movie um, in the trailer. So, I agree. Uh, yeah, so that's I think that one is like my perfect example of Totally. This. Well, fo- following up what what he said just about ter- I think Terminator in general has had a terrible um, history with their trailers. Um, oh, Terminator yeah. Salvation, um, the one with Christian Bale and ooh, who's the Avatar dude? Sam Worthington. What's his name? Sam Worthington. Yeah, that guy. That guy. Um, generic actor number four. <laughs> generic white um, face. <laughs> um, that movie was spoiled uh, in the trailer. It spoils, and I'm going to spoil this movie because no one cares about it. It's terrible. Um, <laughs> it spoils that he is in fact a Terminator, um, which is a spoiler in like that. That is the key key point in it is that you don't know he's a Terminator the entire time. And he doesn't know he's a Terminator. Um, as well as the newest Terminator, whatever that one's called. Genesis. The one, yeah. Jeez, these movies. Um, the fact that, um connor becomes a bad guy yes exactly connor becomes a bad guy which apparently i didn't see the movie but i know that because of the trailer i know right so yeah so like those movies have had a terrible job with these these kind of spoilers and i think it's all down it's all down to marketing like i think i i think when when you have terrible movies like those two specifically um i know good movies have also been spoiled is you have to give the audience something that is like, oh, this is crazy. I have to see this. Um, but a lot of times that crazy thing that they have to see is the twist because there's nothing else good in the movie. Right. And that's just a, such a lack of confidence. I don't know. It's it's such a it's such a bummer. Like I th- even <laughs> even movies that aren't like that, where it's like there's only one interesting, interesting thing about this film. And so we have to show it here to try and sell it. There's a new trailer that came out for this movie, uh, Wonder. That's mm-hmm. like the movie looks good, but when you watch the trailer, you're like, oh, that's the whole movie. <laughs> like in three minutes, I saw the whole movie. It's not like super plot heavy to where um, it's really more about building emotions and building characters and stuff. So it doesn't feel completely messed up in doing that. But I really felt like I went through a beginning, middle, and end of a story in three minutes um, in watching that. And just in general, thinking about like trailers and the way they're put together and the way that they spoil films, I think it's, I think you're right. It does come down to marketing and it's really disappointing that marketers don't have confidence in the movies that they're marketing to that extent. Um, I mean, we talked about this a little bit with Star Wars about how we had this teaser 
for The Last Jedi, and I am of the persuasion that I wish this was the only thing. I wish all we got was that poster and all we got was that teaser. There's no way in the world that would ever happen, but like maybe over the course of the rest of our lives, there'll be one movie where they give it that approach. But I just, I really think if it's a movie that you know is good and you do a good job of setting it up, I think there's so much to be gained from letting your film rest on the kind of tantalizing, like halfway of a trailer rather than saying this is going to be the entirety of what you get so if you're into that go for it i think (laughs) even the first there was like a sixth sense trailer that ruined Mm -hmm. the twist in that so it's and that movie that's the whole thing i just i don't understand some of these marketing decisions yeah Yeah. like spoiling that movie in the trailer right you know one thing that like annoys me that i think happens more often um is not so much when like a major twist is spoiled in a trailer um but where like minor plot points or like even just like major lines of dialogue are in the trailer that throughout the whole movie i'm watching it and i'm thinking like well this hasn't happened yet like i know she gets fired (laughs) at some point so she hasn't gotten fired, so I know that that's coming. You know, things like that where I'm just keeping a checklist of my in my mind of all the things that were in the trailer that have or right. haven't happened in the movie. Um, that, I don't know that there's an answer to solve that issue. I, I, the answer would be don't watch trailers, which some people definitely, you know, take that mm-hmm. upon themselves. I am not going to ever be that person. So that's just, you know, my cross to bear, I guess. But um, that's what I find myself running into more than having an entire movie twist ruined. I'll tell you what I think is completely perfect is this thing that uh, Christopher Nolan does where he releases like the first seven minutes of a movie. I think that's perfect. I think that's such a good way because a lot of things people are trying to get from trailers is like, I want to know the tone of this. I want to know where it's going. I want to know kind of what I'm in for. And if you see like the first five, seven minutes of a movie, you get so much of that, but it's also nothing is spoiled. And if something is spoiled, it's not something that would have had enough dramatic significance to bum you out that quickly. So like, I don't know, I just have been thinking about that based on this email, how much I enjoy the way Christopher Nolan has done that because it solves so many of my gripes. Mm -hmm. I also like, uh, David Fincher, he cuts his own trailers. That's just part of his contract. Like, if he's going to do a movie, he gets to make his own trailers. Yeah. Obviously, he's not going to ruin anything in his own movie. So, <laughs> um, I think that's always a good deal. If you're David Fincher, just do whatever you want. So, <laughs> yeah, Fincher's but, great no, at that. I, I do not like the first couple minutes of a movie situation. Like, that to me, because a lot of movies, they start you off knowing you're going to sit through the rest of the movie. And so sometimes the first couple minutes isn't actually a good representation of what the movie is. Um, and so I, I don't necessarily like with uh, Christopher Nolan, that's usually not the case, but I guess he I don't does necessarily kind of structure that... his films that way where he has like a prologue to every, he has like a first act, but a, right. kind of a five minute prologue before that for basically everything. Yeah. Yeah. He has a solid setup in all of his movies that are, that basically says, this is the theme. This is what you're getting yourself into where a lot of movies don't like, if you saw the first five minutes of, um, 10 Cloverfield lane, you would have no idea what movie you were getting yourself into. That's true. So, um, just but have I, all yeah. of our directors start off as music video directors like Fincher and all the trailers will be perfect. <laughs> I do. Th- I do think a lot of like, cause the, the nice thing is most of the time, if a trailer comes out, um, there is buzz. If you're, I mean, if you're in it as deep as we are, you hear buzz of this is a trailer that spoils something this. And so for the most part, I actually don't watch a trailer immediately. Like the second it comes out, I give it a couple days usually. Um, unless it's coming from somebody like Fincher or Nolan or, um, it's a star Wars thing. Um, something like that. I'll, I'll watch immediately, but for the most part, I'll try to give it some time because I am afraid or like a second or third trailer. Those are usually one of the bigger ones that ended up putting a lot more plot into it. So for most movies, I'll end up watching the first trailer and letting the rest of them go. Yeah. I've stopped watching Spider-Man trailers at this point. Oh, totally. Yeah. Although they've given away yeah. so much of it by telling us who every character is, what their costume looks like, all in one <laughs> poster. So I know, right? <laughs> but, so really, what, are we, what our takeaway is, 
is watch one trailer and way after everybody else has said it's good and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, Lawson will, will actually be cutting out for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> while Sandra and I talk about fall TV. Lawson, adios. We'll see you later. Talk to you all later. Bye. Bye. All right. Lucas and I wanted to get into these trailers that have just been coming out for network TV's fall season. Um, I don't know about you, Lucas. This is my favorite time of the year is when I get to like <laughs> watch all these trailers for all these new TV shows. I just love trailers for pilots. They're, it's such an art form to craft a good one. Um, it's so I difficult. Love how it's so, it so is. difficult. <laughs> I love how instantly some of them just look so bad. Like, mm-hmm. I love how I can immediately just write off a show based on, like, that five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> this is me being at my like, my, my most vicious. <laughs> uh, but I really, really enjoy just watching. Ev- I watch every single trailer that comes out for a TV show. Yeah. Because it's such a low commitment, and I feel like you can learn so much from them. Mm-hmm. So, Lucas, I figured we'd take this by network and see if there's anything from each network that is appealing to you or particularly horrendous. Yes, that sounds great. Okay. Well, let's start with the least um, amount of effort, NBC. Um, NBC technically only has two trailers out. If you count the video that they put out for the Will and Grace return, um, that could go for three. Um, But it's not a proper trailer, I would say. Um, so we have Law and Order, True Crime, The Menendez Murders. So this is NBC's take on, you know, kind of American crime story. They're they're pulling their own Ryan Murphy here. And um, we have a show called The Brave. Lucas, are you interested in either of these? Uh, no, not even a little bit. I, yeah. <laughs> I thought for a second that I might be interested in The Brave. Um, it's the... Oh my gosh! What what the the brave is? It looks like a homeland knockoff. Yes, yes. It's, it's so basically, it's following the um, like a group of soldiers who are I I don't even know what they're going to do. It like it, this is one of those trailers that looks like it it's for a movie. It has a very like short yeah. um, kind of enclosed story for a pilot, um, but I have no idea where this story will go after that. And I think that kind of falls back into what we were talking about. Is like what what makes a good trailer for a show is something that you can see. Oh, I can see watching that week to week. I can see kind of right. coming back to this again. Whereas a lot of these trailers do end up looking like, well, that looks like a story I'd be interested in for you know an hour and a half, and then I'd be done. <laughs> right. This is also kicking off, um, which I'm sure we're going to continue talking about, the recurring theme this year. So last year, time travel. We we had like five or seven shows about time travel. This year, it's all military. Yep. Like just army show after, well, I I don't know, military. I shouldn't say army. Um, (laughs) It's just a lot of soldiers. Yep. And let me tell you, I'm not excited about it. I... There's n- I don't like war movies. I don't like shows about soldiers. Uh, I it's just not my kind of entertainment, and so I'm not happy about like that being the main trend this year. For me specifically, um, TV shows are very difficult when they revolve around soldiers because usually they have to. It has to be episodic, and they each have to revolve around missions and stuff like that, um, which gets pretty unrealistic. And you kind of have to up the stakes every single time, and it. They just get weird. The, the other thing is they're on network TV. Yeah. And so, like, you know, war is a pretty intense subject matter that network TV, um, like, ratings, I don't know, I'm like, you can't go very R-rated on a network TV show. And so I, I don't know how that affects, I don't, I don't watch these shows, so I don't know how much that comes into play or not, but... I can imagine that it takes away some of like the I think it does reality. You know, I think it does. Yeah, they yeah. When you've got to kind of fall more in the middle um, of everything on a network show, yeah, um, yeah you you don't get you, you don't get some of the high stakes. You don't get some of the you know the trauma and tragedy that happen, and it just kind of right. ends up being a little bit bland. Right. Um, Menendez murders. Yes. Interested? Did you? Yeah. What about that one? Oh man. That is not fun. One, it's it's Law and Order, which this is an interesting way to take Law and Order into the yeah. People versus O.J. Simpson territory. <laughs> um, 
I don't like from the trailer. It looks super stylized. And I don't know. I'm for me. I'm not super into true crime stuff. I'm more into like true crime trials. So like the, like the people versus OJ Simpson was perfect because it was mostly about the actual trial, which to me right. is interesting. But like digging into the murders and things like that specifically, I'm not not a huge fan of. Yeah, this it just this felt very similar to me um, as one of the ABC shows, 10 Days in the Valley. Yes. And that I was just like, I can see this being a good show that I would never want to watch. Right. It just seems a little too dark and hard to stomach. Um, and so, yeah, that I, I'm not on board for that one either. What I am on board for, hesitantly, is The Return of Will and Grace. Mm. Um, did you get a chance to watch that? Sort yeah. Of trailer for yeah. Me. I mean, I'm not a Will and Grace person anyway, so this was never yeah. in my. Yeah. <laughs> I love Will and Grace. I wasn't excited about the idea of them returning because I haven't seen or heard of a returning show yet that is done very well mm-hmm. and been a big crowd pleaser. Um, so I'm nervous about this. However, I will say I found this pseudo trailer incredibly charming and it really made me love these actors and characters again so um i'm i'm hesitantly excited about it um let's move on to abc which has i think the most new shows yes um or at least trailers for shows currently you know some maybe nbc will get their game back up later and start getting some trailers out but ABC has a lot to offer. What from ABC Lucas is really exciting you? Um, what's exciting me is The Mayor um, yeah. and The Good Doctor. Those are the only two shows on this list that I think I'll probably kick off watching. Um, the Mayor, first off, is basically the story of this kid who decides to run. He's a kid who decides to run for mayor um, because it will up his rapping profile. Um, he's looking to make it big as a rapper, and this is the the best way to kind of pad those numbers and get some publicity. And by kid, we mean like he's like a nineteen. <laughs> he's like nineteen right? years old, exactly. Maybe yeah. like twenty. Maybe right. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. Very young. Old enough to legally run for mayor, but that's about it. <laughs> right. Um. Yeah, and he wins, and it's basically about him figuring out how to be the mayor of this town. Um, it looks really funny. It's got a great cast. Um, uh, what is it? Is it Yvette Nicole Brown? Yeah, that's it. Yvette Nicole Brown. I, I was, I, I got Nicole confused as to where it goes in that line of words. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, she plays his mom. She's fantastic. I'm so excited yeah. to see her in things again. Um, after community. Um, yeah, this oh, also, um, what's her name? Leah Michelle. There you go. You're getting all the names today. Um, yeah, Leah Michelle's in it playing his. Well, I actually have no idea what what she plays. I guess his like probably like chief of staff. Maybe his very uptight chief of staff. Yes, I'll I'll go with that. Um, excited to see her in something that's not Glee. <laughs> um, I think that's going to be great. I'm really excited to see what they what they do with this. Yeah, that one is I think probably the most promising mm-hmm. of all the ones that ABC has put out. Um, I think and that Nicole Brown is my favorite part of that trailer. Yep. She looks like she's in great form. Yep. Um, I love this role for her because she gets to, it looks like she's going to get to be funny without just being like a minor comedic character. Right. She's going to get to have like a real story arc as part of this show mm-hmm. um, and do like some really great acting, which I think she is capable Definitely. of. Definitely. Um, and Leah Michelle is someone that I find so obnoxious, but I also <laughs> recognize that she's super talented. Yes. So uh, I I am on the fence about her being in this, um, but I'll I'll take it. Um, but, and a bunch of like new faces that I'm not familiar with, but that seem super charismatic. Yeah. So yeah. I'm excited about that. this. I, I think this is where she can really excel is being kind of that more obnoxious type of character. <laughs> um, I mean, but she's always an obnoxious type of character. That, that, that is true. But where she could also hopefully be charming here as well. Yeah, we'll see. Um, another show that I'm very intrigued by on ABC is The Crossing. Um, this is not my kind of show. Yeah. But it is a fascinating premise. 
a local sheriff it finds out that um, there's a body washed up on a beach in his town. Is the beach from like a, an ocean? This Not looks like lake, Oregon right? or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's a body washed up. And he goes, he and his team go to like rescue or find this body. And they realize there's more than one body. And then all of a sudden, I think there's like 500 bodies show up. Mm -hmm. um, And 50 of those bodies are people that are alive. The rest of them are dead. And the people that are alive, they're all Americans. And they're saying they're refugees that swam to safety. And of course, that doesn't make any sense to this sheriff because these is, this is a group of Americans and they came in from the ocean mm-hmm. and they're saying, no, we swam in from the future that like there is a war in the future and like we like escaped it and came here. And also some of these refugees might have superpowers. Yes. So that I think that's that's where it kind of lost me. Like this is. They, they they played it up a lot saying like this is a big um this is from the studio that brought you lost which it just means right. it's on abc is all that means but um <laughs> but it seems like it has a very much lost premise with a superhero right. twist um i'm i'm kind of tired of superhero tv which is hard for me to say because i watch a lot yeah. of superhero tv but if this isn't like got some canon Somewhere with Marvel or DC or something. I don't know if I want to get into something like that. To me, it's not superhero. It's superpower. Superpower stuff. It's different. It is very different. Yes. Because it's it's ultimately a big mystery with and these people from the future. It's like a sci-fi mystery. Mm -hmm. Might Mm -hmm. have like some super abilities. You know, some some extra strength or jumping. I don't think it looks like, you know, we're gonna have superhero battles right with lasers and stuff right we're used to in all these movies and tv shows Mm -hmm. so i wouldn't classify it and i wouldn't put it in that category that's true but um like i said it's it's not my kind of show Mm -hmm. but um there was some very compelling visuals in that trailer uh especially all like these huge crowd of people in the water Mm -hmm. Um, like getting separated from each other and like swimming to safety. I don't know. Some of those visuals just really struck me as like this show could be something special, but I don't know if it's going to be right. Um, yeah, this is one that I, a lot of shows when I look at this, it'll be, this is something I'll check in with at the end of the season. And if people like it, I might catch up on it, um, kind of in, in preparation for season two, but I'm, I will not be kicking off (laughs) with this. Um, I also want to bring up The Gospel of Kevin, um, stars Jason Ritter, who I find very charming. However, it also, in the trailer, stars Cristela Alonso, a comedian that I love. (laughs) And I just found out today that she is not going to be in this show, that they're going to recast her character. No way. Yeah. No way. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. I know. Well, hopefully she can go on to do better things than this terrible show. <laughs> I think she's developing a different show, but um, we'll see, I guess. Um, it's it's weird. So um, anything else from ABC you want to cover? Yeah, I, I, I did like The Good Doctor. The Good Doctor was oh, interesting. Right. Basically With about Freddie a, Highmore, correct? Yes, who's fantastic. He um, plays a, I think a, he's a, uh, an autistic savant who I'm not sure what he's like, how old he's supposed to be in this show, but he's a doctor. I mean, he looks he's, like straight out of med school. He looks, yeah, he looks, well, he looks, I feel like he looks younger than that, but he's probably, he probably is. Yeah. Like straight out of med school, but basically so, yeah, probably like graduated early. Yeah. He's really a genius. Exactly. Um, so he's, he's basically comes in as a resident doctor and it's from, from the people who brought you house. Um, so it's in that vein. Um, and I'm I'm curious about this show. I think it'll I think it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Uh, my wife, as a speech pathologist, is always super interested in how people with autism and disabilities are portrayed. So we'll definitely tune in for that. Um, I do want to say one that sounds like something I should really like, but that <laughs> I was really disappointed with the trailer is um, Alex Inc. Ugh. Ugh. Zach Braff is back at TV and he's playing a guy with a family that wants to start a podcast. A podcast a company. Parent, 
whatever that is. <laughs> but apparently he needs like a lot of money to do that. <laughs> and as people who have a podcast, let me tell you, you don't need a lot of money to do that. <laughs> All, it, it, oh. it, it looks like it's made by someone who heard pos- podcasting is popular and yeah. knows nothing about it but decided, let me just write a script based off podcasting. What's so frustrating for me is that that could be a great show about a guy who starts a podcast because he wants to tell stories. That could be a great TV show because you could have like all these new little stories each week with different people that he discovers and he decides that are worth telling their story. And you can have narration throughout the episode or like clips cutting in through of him recording this it this could be so good you know like as a premise i can see in my mind a great show about a guy who just loves people and telling stories and you does a podcast yeah this is not that this does not look like that show (laughs) no not at all all right so cbs has some more military shows you know it has one that's seal team um, which is mega military. <laughs> and then SWAT, which is not military. It's more, um, I guess, homeland law enforcement. Yeah. Um, but it has a big military vibe to it, let me tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not excited about either of those. No. Uh, I'm not excited about anything from CBS. I, th- I was curious about how Star Trek would, would turn out. Um, yeah. So I'm interested. I might I might tune in later on in the season. But even Star Trek, I'm not not super keen on well and keep in mind that star trek is only on cbs all access right yeah which is their paid streaming service so i will Um, not be tuning in to star trek ever (laughs) (laughs) okay let me tell you i'm normally never interested in cbs shows yeah um i will say i'm a little bit interested in um me myself and i the new bobby moynihan john larroquette show um, where Bobby Moynihan, John Larroquette, and then a young kid all play the same man at three different stages in his life. Um, I like Bobby Moynihan a lot. And this is, I think, an interesting premise. Um, this is a show that I will definitely give a chance. I, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not sold on it and think I don't think it's going to, I'm not saying it'll be great, but... Um, I'm definitely going to tune in for a few episodes yeah. at least. Uh, yeah. This will be one that I listen to and see if it's any good. <laughs> sure. Um, let me say also, I don't think I'll be watching it, but I was very pleasantly surprised with the trailer for Young Sheldon. Yeah, um, it's it looks way better than I gave it any credit to be coming too. off of the Big Bang Theory. I gave up on Big Bang Theory ages ago. Um it's I'm I'm very much not interested in that show. And um when I heard about young Sheldon, I just rolled my eyes. And watching that trailer, I was like, this seems like a really thoughtful way of telling this family story. Um I just I'm very intrigued by it. That is a show, Lucas, that because the trailer looks so good, um, like I said, it's it might not be my kind of show. Um but if I start hearing good buzz about it, I will t- tune into it because that yeah. trailer really impressed me. Yeah. Um, let's go on to your favorite network, the CW. Woo woo. So <laughs> it is my favorite network. I will say that. Uh, it's my favorite. <laughs> it's my favorite non-cable network. And sure. this year I'm not excited for anything that's coming from CW. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh man, they have a they have another superhero show which right I'm as I said I'm exhausted of, um, and everything else just kind of looks so bland, just super boring. Um, well, go for Valor, it. Valor again is their military show, yep. which not interested nope. in the slightest. Um, also, Valor has one of the stars of Valor is a guy who had a guest role on one tree hill where he played this intensely scary stalker <laughs> like super oh, yeah? scary like i like he what was so scary about him is that he started off as just a guest character on one tree hill who you just think is like a guy like another high school guy or like a cool guy you know that's like joining the cast mm-hmm. 
and then all of a sudden he turns out to be a stalker and he like kidnaps some of the main characters. It was harrowing. Anyway, so all that to say, I will never be able to look at that actor as anything <laughs> other than stalker Derek from One oh, Tree Hill. Um, but going back to other CW shows, um, I, okay, other than Valor, the military show, mm-hmm. um, I am kind of on board with these shows. There's three others. No. There's, <laughs> I'm not saying I'm like, super into them yeah but i'm into them enough where i would like watch the pilot okay you know okay um dynasty is their (laughs) you know (laughs) remake of of an 80s soap opera right it looks super soapy and over the top but there were also moments that i just thought seemed really fun um so i i would give dynasty a chance i can get into those super soapy like rich people all having sex with each other and like stealing each other's money kind of shows. Um, <laughs> Black Lightning is not so much my jam because I'm not into the CW superhero shows. Um, I will say it does look like it kind of has a fun vibe to it. Uh, however, something that's disappointing is that I found out that this show will not be in the same universe as all the other CW superhero shows. Right. Which, so yeah. it, it's disappointing that they're separating their one superhero show um, with like a black lead as to not be in the universe. <laughs> it's, it seems like a strange move to me. Um, but so that one is the one I'm least interested in. And then Life Sentence. Um, it's so CW has this trend of like they either do like these superhero shows or these soapy shows or what I don't even know what this genre is called, but it's like, like inspirational girl show. Like you have the one thing that I can compare this to was heart of Dixie. Do you remember that show that Rachel yeah. Bilson showed? Started? Yeah. So life sentence reminds me a lot of heart. Of Definitely. Dixie. Um, life sentence is about uh, a 20 something girl who had cancer and she lived and i think i read this in the marketing materials the sort of she lived all the kind of manic pixie dream girl fantasies that you would see in movies about girls with cancer you know she lived every day like it was her last she like went on adventures because she thought she was dying and then all of a sudden she finds out that she's cured and she's not dying anymore and that she's just like everyone else and that she has to live each day like it's a normal day and plan for the future and do all the things she never thought she was going to have to do or get a chance to do. Um, and it's about her reckoning with that, like her life being completely different because of that. And then also reckoning with all of her friends and family members and loved ones that were also preparing for her to die and hiding some of like the struggles of that. And now that she's not dying anymore, she's getting to see all of the different struggles they went through because of her illness. Um, and it looks kind of happy-go-lucky and heartfelt, and I'm kind of into it. Um, See, I would watch that as a movie, but yeah. I don't know how long you can keep that going. I agree. I think you're right, Lucas, that this would be a much better movie than it would be a TV show. Um, and so it might be one of those shows where I only watch the first season, you know? And, yeah. And then I'm piecing out, kind of like I did with Heart of Dixie. Um, so we'll see about that one. I I'm on the fence. Um, and then finally we have Fox. Um, Fox has a show that based on the actors, I should be so excited. (laughs) Fox has a show called ghosted starring Craig Robinson and Adam Scott, two actors that I adore. I think they're talented and hilarious. You told me the two of them are going to be starring in a network TV show. I would be like, great, I'm on board. Yep. And then I watched this trailer, and I don't know what the fuck is happening on (laughs) Ghosted. Can you explain to me what Ghosted is about? Because I don't really know. Apparently, these two guys who are just leading average normal lives get recruited to find aliens. Slash ghosts? Slash ghosts who are murdering people. It's a weird setup. It's a really it's a weird, weird setup. Trailer, you know, trailers for pilots usually 
give you the tone of the show and they give you the premise and the, the conclusion of the pilot episode. So you usually know how the pilot episode ends by the end of the trailer, you know? Yeah. Um, like if there's, if it's a, a show about lawyers, they're going to set up the first case and then also how the case, how the lawyers win the case at mm-hmm. the end of the episode. Basically to um, make the, make it a sh- an actual show from there on out. Right. And ghosted, does not do a good job of doing either of those things. I don't really understand the premise. I don't understand why these guys have been selected. I don't understand what they solve in the first episode. I don't understand. It's all very confusing. Yeah, I, I got, I got nothing. I like these guys a lot, but I, I have, I have no idea why I would watch this show. Yeah, it's super disappointing too. Yeah, Fox has a couple of uh, comedies on their docket. They've got L.A. to Vegas, which is a show about a flight crew that flies between L.A. and Vegas. Um, so it's a often a big like party crowd on the plane. Yeah. Um, it looks kind of appealing. I think that's a fun premise. I don't know if like the show itself looked that great. Yeah. Um, if you, I, I can totally see that pitch though, like about the yeah. lives of the fight flight crew that fly from L.A. to Vegas all the time. Yeah. Like, it's. It makes sense, but I don't think this show is going to work out. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we have the Orville, which is sort of like a Star Trek. Spoof, um, I guess. Comedy. Yeah, spoof is a good word. Yeah, from Seth MacFarlane. Seth MacFarlane, yeah. Um, I can't stand Seth MacFarlane. No, so me either. <laughs> I will not be watching this show. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it sadly, like, it, it looks it looks. Funnier than Ghost, which is sad. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah. It, the Orville doesn't look bad. It looks pretty funny, but I honestly cannot look at Seth MacFarlane. No, yeah. It's uh, um, it's not going to be great. And then we have The Gifted, which is tied to the X-Men universe. Correct. How do you um, feel about The Gifted? I It does not look good. It's, it's an interesting premise, basically. Um, a father who is in charge of basically rounding up and arresting X-Men finds out, or I guess gifted people find out, finds out his sons or children are uh gifted and kind of his his uh i guess his entanglements with that and the kids entanglements with um kind of living their lives as these weirdos which um i don't know like the x-men universe has always been kind of a an other analogy for whether that be you know disabilities or um you know, sexual orientation, that kind of thing. Just any anybody who's living a life of otherness, um, what does that look like compared to everyone else? And this show just doesn't seem to really dive into that too much in the trailer. It's a trailer, so there's lots of action, but uh, I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't seem as. It seems more grounded than the X Men universe. So I'm not sure if it's actually tied into that at all, or if it's just going to be its standalone thing. Um, I mean, they definitely they, say the phrase X. They say X Men, but if it's like if we're actually going to get ties in, tie in with the X Men movies or anything like right. that, like I, I I doubt that that's happening. I doubt but it. I think it's just in the X Men mythos. You right. know, like it's. Right. Um, it, it, they live in the same universe, but there's not going to be like similar actors or anything like that. Right. Or is it, is it different enough that we'll get, you know, maybe like a different actor playing a character that we might have seen in an X-Men right. movie where it's like completely outside of the cinematic universe that they're doing over there at Fox. Um, we'll see. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll see. It's definitely one that I, I think would want to watch, but it's not something I'm going to start at all. What's so strange for me about this show is that, like, I'm so on board with X-Men stories. Like, that, they'll just, they always sucker me in. And so I do kind of want to watch this show. But it's crazy to me that there is not one recognizable face on this cast. No, not at all. And to me, a show about, that is tied into this universe, even faintly, I'm not saying you had to get anyone from the A-list, but... I don't recognize a single actor and I watch a lot of TV. So that's really bizarre to me. Um, and that's my, that's my biggest concern. I think. Yeah. I, (laughs) I, so here's what I think just in general with all of these, um, these networks is anybody who's good is going to 
move more towards prestige TV because there's a lot more opportunities opening up there. Um, that whether that be on the cam- on in front of the camera or behind the camera, everybody is moving toward places that will let them have more say over what they make. And that's leaving a lot of holes here that I feel like are not getting filled at all. Yeah, I mean, I think you're I think you're really right, because when I'm looking through this list, there's very few shows that I can think of that have like an actor or an actress Mm -hmm. that I'm like, oh, I'm so excited about them. Yeah. In this show. Yeah. And even more so like directors or like showrunners, because you used to have, you know, like Joss Whedon did like four shows you know, at once kind of a thing. Um, David Lindelof, after coming off of Lost, like you'd expect him to jump right back into TV. And they the, they all have. They're just not on any of these networks. They're moving toward HBO and Netflix and places that will kind of right. let, let them do what they want. And so you have a bunch of – you have space, which is cool because you get all these brand-new showrunners um, actually getting to do something. But um, I don't know. It, it, it leaves it a little bit light here. Yeah. Yeah, I think this looks like a rough fall season for network TV. Um, I once I think we I don't think we see stuff for cable fall mm-hmm. lineups until later on, and you know cable doesn't even really follow the same kind of fall no. schedule. No. So we'll talk about new cable shows, I guess, later on because hopefully that'll be a little bit more exciting. I'm I'm honestly. fine if none of these shows work out because I have such a backlog of shows that I haven't watched Right. (laughs) that I will just watch those and let these just fall apart. I I definitely feel the same way. I still hold a candle for network TV in a certain way. I think part of me is I think that there can be good network TV. Some of my favorite shows of all time have been on network TV. And I also know that even though you and I are watching tons of cable shows and Netflix shows and um, ABC and who are, excuse me, um, HBO and Hulu. And um, there are plenty of people who only watch network television. Yep. My family is like part of yeah. the community. And so I really want to be able to know what those shows are and be able to talk to other people who don't only watch quote unquote prestige television. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I want there to be good TV there, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I want to like, I want some of these shows to be good just for those reasons. Not because I need more shows to watch. But right. Right. And I, because I like being a part of that conversation. Definitely. And I think what's going to end up having to happen is when some of this more streamlined stuff fails, um, they're going to have to start getting auteurs. They're going to have to start picking up yeah. people like Aziz Ansari and, you know, giving them a network show and saying like, hey, we'll kind of let you do what you want. Obviously, you know, cut back on swearing, sex, nudity, that kind of stuff. But um, if you can kind of work within these bounds, which a lot of auteurs can, we'll, we'll let you have a, a lot more freedom. Um, maybe not more than, <laughs> you know, Netflix or Amazon or HBO or anything like that, but start bringing in some people and so, you know, some new people who are, who haven't had a platform who we, we know are good saying work out color outside the lines now. Yeah. You know, this makes me think about how NBC recently, you know, they made a pilot called the Sackett sisters. Have you heard about this Lucas? No. Um, they made this pilot called the Sackett sisters and Everything I've heard about this show, it just sounds like a dream show for me. And um, it was starring Casey Wilson and Busy Phillips. It was produced by Tina Fey and Robert Carlock. Um, I think Bradley Whitford is also in it. Um, and it's, Will, Casey Wilson and Busy Phillips play um, like a strange sisters. Um, and it just sounds like such a great comedy. I just love every single person involved. <laughs> And I really trust them to put together a good TV show. And NBC, you know, was supposed to say, like, whether they were going to get picked up to series before the upfronts, which just recently happened. And they didn't pick up Sackett Sisters, but they also didn't say we're not going to produce it. Yeah. So they're left hanging in this balance. And Casey Wilson and Busy Phillips kind of, like, talked about this on social media and asked people, they're like, you know, I know you haven't seen this show, so it's strange to demand, like, 
ask like NBC to save this <laughs> show, but trust us, it's good, and we really want to show it to you. Yeah, um, and it just it hearing seeing what NBC has available, so like which is not much, right? It really makes you wonder. I was like, what what is the problem? Why are you not um, giving the go ahead to shows like this with someone like Tina Fey producing it? You yeah. Know? Yeah. And two incredible actresses that have been on really great critically acclaimed sitcoms. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't understand. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, they're going to have to get their act together at some point. Yeah. I think they will. I think it's coming. I, all, I, I think a lot of these networks need a couple years of terrible ratings on all of their shows across the board, and they'll be back. Okay. Well, I... I think that's all I have to say about Fall yep. TV. Are you good, Same. Lucas? All good. Okay. Well, if you'd like to find us online, you can find me on all social media platforms at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. And you can find me uh, on, everywhere on the internet at Lucas and Stuff. And you can find us as a whole with Lost and Included at Feeling It Pod on Twitter. And you can email us at feelingitpod at gmail.com. You can also find Lawson on all social media platforms at Lawson West. As he would say if he was still here. He would. (laughs) All right. See you later. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye, Nate. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it. Go home. Yep. Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 